Hey, it's Larry. Uh, Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Real quick, before we get into this episode, I had such an amazing, eye-opening, life-changing experience at the World Parkinson Congress in Kyoto that I want others to have that opportunity, too. So Becca Miller and I and 24 of our PD community friends have launched a year-long WPC Travel Grant Fundraiser. We're each doing a two-week Facebook fundraiser. Mine's underway right now because my birthday's January 9th. All the money raised will be used to help offset travel costs so more people with young-onset Parkinson's can attend the next WPC in Barcelona in 2022. You can search out details on the When Life Gives You Parkinson's Facebook page or donate directly to the WPC website. Go to wpc2022.org slash yopdfund. If you or your business would like to supply matching funds... Hey, good on you. Email me at parkinsonspot at curiouscast.ca. And now, on with the show. Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. I have Parkinson's disease, and I'm in Kyoto, Japan, bringing you insights and interviews from the World Parkinson Congress. This is the official podcast for the 5th World Parkinson Congress, a collaboration with the World Parkinson Coalition and my other podcast, When Life Gives You Parkinson's. June 6 was day three of four for the WPC 2019 in Kyoto, Japan. As we've done the last two uh, podcasts from the World Parkinson Congress, we have a group of folks ready to go to share what they learned on day three of the conference. My name is Jim Smurton. I'm from Vancouver, British Columbia. My association with Parkinson's is that I was diagnosed almost 13 years ago. Just really want to see people advocate for better uh, research and more money raised for support. G'day, I'm Andy McDowell. I'm from Auckland, New Zealand. I'm here with my family. Um, this is my third WPC. I've been fortunate enough to attend the last three. Um, firstly, I, as a winner of the video competition in 2013 in Montreal, in Portland, where I was lucky enough to be a plenary speaker, and today I just gave another presentation. That's my association. Hi, I'm Andrew Davenport, and I'm with the Parkinson Society of British Columbia. I, I'm on the board. Uh, the, my relationship with Parkinson's is my father has it, and this is the first uh, first conference I've been to. I'm Rebecca Gifford. I'm Larry Gifford's wife and partner in Parkinson's, um, and I'm from Vancouver, British Columbia. So what did we learn today on day three of the World Parkinson Congress? Jim, we'll start with you. Uh, first and foremost, I learned never to underestimate a Japanese ping-pong player, table tennis Even if he arrives in a wheelchair, slumped over, and looking totally unable to react, he jumps up and he thrashed me 11 to 2. Wait a second, wait a second. So you got beat by a Japanese ping-pong player who was slumped over in a wheelchair. I got beat by three Japanese food people. <laughs> the first of which arrived, slumped over in a wheelchair, yes. What did you learn about yourself through that process, mm-hmm. Jim? Yeah, about me, I learned nothing about myself. <laughs> 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 Andy, uh, what did you learn through today? Well, I was very fortunate in my presentation to let my children have a, a say. And um, I think I learned how resilient your children are, and you've got, you've got to trust them with the information that's age-appropriate to them, but you've got to share share what's happening with you, with you as, as the disease progresses, because they're part of the journey, and if you don't give them the respect of giving them the information that they need, 
then you're doing them a disservice. So part of being a parent is actually sharing some of the load with them when, when, when they're old enough to do so. This is a good time. I actually talked to your daughters after that presentation, and let's listen to our conversation right now. Hi, I'm Lily McDowell. I'm from Auckland, New Zealand, and my dad has Parkinson's disease. Hi, I'm Kyle McDowell. I'm from Auckland, New Zealand, (laughs) and my dad has Parkinson's disease. You guys gave a great presentation today to a a room full of people that were really interested in what you had to say. How did you come up with what what to share? Um, well, Dad texted me a long list of options, and we, I just kind of sat down, and Pearl and I just had a chat about some stuff that we do and like live and stuff, um, and we just put it onto paper. So there are a lot of kids like you who have moms or dads with Parkinson's. What would you say to them? Um, you're not alone. <laughs> Yeah, like, you got this. Um, it just, be- the more time you spend with it, the more it becomes familiar and the easier it gets. It's not the end of the world. What's the strangest part? Um, People's looks, I guess. Yeah. You know? How do you handle that? It's kind of uncomfortable, You just, but you just, like, kind of think in your head, well, they don't know the whole story, so just... Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I think I um, deal with it pretty okay because, you know, I'm, I'm human. I do it too. You know, when I look at people, I'm like, because you don't know what's, what's going on with them. I don't go like, ooh, or anything. I'm just, I, I wonder. And I know that people do that too. And it's just normal human stuff. So. Yeah. Do your friends say anything? Mm, not really, because it's not really a topic that friends bring up because, like, they don't want to offend you in any way or something like that. Um, my friends, I'm always very upfront with it. Like, if I meet somebody new and it just happens to slide into conversation, I'm like, yeah, this is that. And then, like, oh, that's interesting. And it's just, you know, it's pretty normal. They're all very good about it. I wouldn't surround myself with people who are mean. <laughs> so when you talk about uh, Parkinson's with friends or with strangers or teachers or whatever, how do you explain what it is? Um, I just say it's a disease, basically, <laughs> that kind of affects the brain, makes you just shake a lot. I don't go too into details. Me, personally, I do know a little bit about it, but, like, I'm not that smart with all the neurological <laughs> things. Yeah, no, yeah. Neither um, am I. <laughs> for a long time, I just kind of bluffed my way through it because I didn't really know what to say. Like, um, I was just kind of like, yeah, my, it, my dad's just got a disease. Uh, it's just, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Blah. Um, so then I kind of like took to Google and I just tried to find a better way to explain it in a short way without going too into depth. So I just say it's a neurological disease which can affect like your movement and speech sometimes and just kind of wrap it up. <laughs> well, good. well, that's good. That's, that's very handy. Mm. Do you have fears? Mm-hmm. What are your fears? Um, well, as any child would have, they're always... I think everyone, even with people without Parkinson's, their parents, they always have fears about their parents, you know, just like natural ones, like if they die or something, but I'm not really scared about anything, because he's just like a normal person, just something that happens coming to his life that now just apparently changes everything, but for me, not really. 
I get scared for my um, parents a little bit with the mental health aspect. I'm like, I worry, like, are they like, how's this taking effect on them? Um, I'm a little worrying myself, um, and so I just, I kind of, it's it must, it's such a hard thing to deal with, and I just wonder, like, how would, how did they react and stuff? Um, they've always been very good about talking with us about that stuff. Well, you guys are doing a great job, and thank you for speaking out. <laughs> and I can tell that you have a dad that really loves you, and that you really love him, and that's great. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> thank you very much. Quite cute to hear that. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, I was actually filled with the fierce one, but that, that, that's really cute. Be really proud of them. I, I am. I mean, it's, it's not, not a small matter for them to get up in front of a hundred odd people and speak, and they did it with a plum. So I'm very proud, Daddy. Yeah, that's awesome, uh, Andrew. Uh, what did you learn throughout today? Uh, I think uh, you know, learned lots of different things. I think uh, that you know, probably the first thing that struck me is uh, is a presentation which was uh, which was done on on. Which was done by people with Parkinson's, who, uh, it, which were, and the presentations and and the stories they told are very inspirational in terms of, of dealing with it and moving forward with it. And uh, you know, I think uh, there was a lot, a lot to take uh, take away from that. As a board member of a of a, an organization like the Parkinson Society of British Columbia, uh, what do you take back from this whole event uh, to the rest of the board and, and, and to to the community? Uh, and how can you how can you take this energy and this enthusiasm and this spirit and activate it back home? You know, I think you know, I think uh, events like this are great. You know, I think it gives you a perspective of what's. Of you know the developments that that are going on in Parkinson's and the the one thing which also struck me is the opportunity for collaboration with other organizations you know and it, it goes to organizations in you know New Zealand or Japan or or Australia or or, or the U.S. and you know the a lot of the there's a lot of dis, desperate societies that have a lot of great ideas you know I think. Uh, the final thing which which struck me was on the the wearables and technologies and and where that's going because you know there's some obvious opportunities there and also with respect to collecting data and information you know as 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 a group of people holistically and which hopefully will advance finding cures and and uh you know developing technologies which will actually help people with the with the disease so yeah, the wearables is an interesting one because they have a, they have some cool ideas and there's some some neat things that are coming down the pike, but like they haven't come, they're not they're not quite there yet. Yeah, it's still very nascent, and you can see that, right? So there's a long way to go with um, with what they can do with with the you know using wearables and tech and apps and yeah, you know, and it's also sort of uh, you know using more simple things like. How do you design a spoon you right. know, for for eating if you... If, Hopefully if, really big one. <laughs> I'm, I'm hungry. Can you tell I'm hungry? <laughs> I can't there. Uh, all right, Re- Rebecca, uh, my darling, uh, what did you learn today? You know, I knew you were going to ask that question, and the first thing that came to mind was how 
vibrant and hungry for information and connection that the YOPD community is. Yeah. And we went to a fantastic, Andy was part of one of the presenters and the um, one that we just did with uh, YOP, that was YOPD focused and at the end of it in the question term a gentleman from Ireland came up and said there are three of us from Ireland we have YOPD and we're here and we want to help organize something that's YOPD specific and other people were saying oh we're thinking about that too and how can we collaborate and there was a whole collection of people up in the front in the corner who were very excited to considering and kind of craving and hungry for that connection with other YOPD we're a subset, um, but we're a subset with very different needs and and a desire for different tools and resources and connection. And so, the fact that we we were here and able to connect, but everybody was from different countries, it was just saying, okay, well, then we need to organize across countries and really make this something that you know, with the magic of technology and travel and and all of that, let's make this a true community. Which is amazing, and Andrew, I'd like to get your perspective on this. Uh, because I find that a lot of the things that we do in Vancouver, which is around fundraising and advocacy, you know, it, I mean, the demographics of Parkinson's disease is clear. It's an old person's disease majority. But there's a huge contingent of young people who have this disease. That is, sadly, it's growing. But we have energy and we're interested in doing fundraising and stuff like that. So the fact that there's people in Ireland who are out here interested in looking for people to do things with, does Parkinson's BC have a intention on focusing on the YOP? Yeah, I, I think that we have. I think that we should, and I think that we have to. Right? We should. We should tap into the wider community and, and leverage that. Put a gun to his head. What are you going to do about it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's important because it, it is a. It, like we, we've got a group of people that get together for dinner. They're like we all have YOPD. Like like there's a there's an audience there, but all the programs. Most of the programs in Vancouver, where we're from, are during the day. Well, we got yeah. jobs. Yeah. Like, we yeah. can't go to those. No, that's a, yeah, that's yeah. a great point. How, how, how are the programs in, uh, in, in New Zealand? I, I don't really need them. I, I, I'm, I'm lucky that I don't, lucky, lucky that I don't work. Ha, ha, ha. I mean, it's irony, isn't it? Aren't you a lucky man? Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I took you, I, I achieved my goal of retiring with 50, but it wasn't quite the way I, it wasn't quite what I wanted. <laughs> Um, programs, there aren't really any programs. No, no, no. Do you have a community there of people that you, you that help that are also YOPD? There are a few, a handful of people I know who got young on in Auckland. My community is, is, is online. I'm happy to be a part of your community. I'd like to be a part of it. You have to get online, Jim. <laughs> I am online. Okay. <laughs> He's right there. Uh, the other thing that I noticed today uh, is that um, this morning the, in the plenary session, it was all about uh, the, the, the personalized uh, treatment plan that is, is certainly on the horizon. They, they, they can't, it's not one pill fits all. It's not one prescription fits all Parkinson's. Uh, and and they're, they're scientifically proving that they have to approach all these different subsets of Parkinson's differently. And that's an exciting advancement because uh, as soon as we acknowledge that, then we can begin to tackle each of these subsets individually instead of it just being all just whitewashed Parkinson's. It strikes me as being uh, ridiculous that haven't done 
haven't got the side type thing sorted out yet. It really is. It's. I mean, there's no question about it. So what's? Well, let's just make it up on our own, okay? We'll just we'll write a paper and get it published, and we'll we'll be done with it. Like, like that's the thing that is is frustrating. Is things take so long to get done. We don't have that much time. Like we we're in it now. We're fighting for it now. So let's let's make it happen. One of the things I really appreciate about the WBC Congress is the posters. Like I could, I was telling Andrew, I could literally spend hours walking through the posters and learning about all the fantastic research. They have dogs that can smell Parkinson's, and a woman can smell Parkinson's as well. Like. My, my my question to all these researchers, and uh, I've yet to get a decent answer, is what does it mean to them the fact that you look around in the opening ceremonies and all the large groups of people in this Congress, and there's such a diversity. It's like this disease covers every ethnicity, every geography, every demographic, every age core. It almost it appears equally. What does that tell them about the causation and, and development of this disease? If it affects everybody equally around the world. Does what that? They they avoid they avoid answering usually. <laughs> They're scientists, they won't answer unless they know no, right? Yeah, they have to know no. The other aspect was that I was very happy to see um, a lot of of care partner specific, and I have a whole room now with support groups and programming that's specific to care partners. Um, I would love to see more, but I will take any steps forward on that. Um, and those were, and the programming was really good, and and there was just, I was happy to see, and there was there was a lot of happy, um, enthusiastic involvement and desire for more information and everything as well. Well, and uh, I realized today that I like massage even better than I thought because they got that massage room here, and that was glorious. Yeah, good massage therapist. But you got to sign up early. Got to sign up early if you want one. It was good. All right, folks, thanks so much for taking some time to talk about the event today. I hope you enjoy day four of the World Parkinson Congress tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Thank you. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, my love. Love you. I love you, too. So we're learning a lot about Parkinson's and new technologies and new focuses and inspirations. But we also need to continue to get to know the people with Parkinson's and share their stories because the more we share our stories, the people with Parkinson's, the more awareness we bring to the disease, the more money we can raise, the more research we can do so we can begin to address these important distinctions between uh, the different subsets of this disease and, and treat them individually. Uh, one of those stories uh, I've been following online for many, many months now. She's an inspiration to thousands around the world, uh, and I'm just—it's a real pleasure to introduce you to Amatala Thomas. Gone. When you're gone, when you're gone, not gonna miss you when you're gone. 
miss you when you're gone. Not gonna miss the pain and fear. Not gonna miss you anywhere. No, not gonna miss you when you're gone. My name is Amotala Thomas. Where I'm from is a loaded question, but I'll try to answer it. I was born and raised in Nigeria. Uh, I've lived in the U.S., South Africa, but now I live in the United Kingdom. I am a person with Parkinson's. I've had symptoms for nine years, but was diagnosed three years ago at the age of 35. All right, so Amatola, uh, you're awesome. Uh, I loved your video that you made with your daughter. How did that come together? Um, when I saw that there was a competition for the World Practicing Congress, um, she and I decided that we wanted to enter. And my daughter is very creative. Uh, she likes doing, she likes doing creative things. And you know, she's not the type of child that really likes playing video games or computer games. Uh, she likes working with her hands and drawing. So we decided that we will enter the competition. And one day, I was lying down and I heard the song. Um, when you're gone and somehow I don't know I just connected it with Parkinson's and I said Mimi let's change the lyrics to this song and she said okay we can practice the cop song and that was how we decided to use the cop song for the video it was great and we were talking to Andy McDowell earlier and his daughters were speaking in one of the presentations today it's so cute and made me cry but like I I love seeing all these people with Parkinson's and involving their kids and what's going on how early after diagnosis did you begin to uh, tell your, your your family so I got diagnosed in 2016 which meant my daughter was uh, six or six or seven and my son was about nine um, and in the best possible way that I could I spoke to them immediately I, I got diagnosed I think it's important to be open with children especially with an illness like Parkinson's disease that you can't hide you know I can't hide my hands shaking from from them they see it they, they see the rigidity and the stiffness so I think um, as early as possible um, I told my kids immediately um, and even since my diagnosis, um, every, every change that I experience in, in a child-friendly way, I try to explain it to them and I try to tell them my challenges. And the reason I do that is when they go to school, you know, people ask them, why are your mom's hands shaking? Why you know, is her neck stiff? And I want them to be able to answer with confidence and not be afraid or embarrassed or shy. So... You, you moved from Nigeria to the U.S., to South Africa, to the U.K. Uh, it, how recent were those moves? Um, so I lived in Nigeria until I was 19. Moved to the U.S. in 2000 to further my education, and I lived in the U.S. for 13 years. So my first symptoms of Parkinson's started when I was in America in 2010. Um, and I went to see so many doctors, did so many tests and scans, and nobody was able to figure out what was wrong with me. I took all of that with me to South Africa in 2013 and started the process of testing all over again because the doctors there wanted to do their own test. Um, and it wasn't until late 2015 that one of the doctors in South Africa suggested that I go to the UK and um, get tested by one of their movement disorder specialists there. Coincidentally, uh, that was about the time we were thinking of moving to the UK as well. You know, it was it was coincidental. It wasn't they weren't related. Um, and then I I got diagnosed in June in London, England. So so how many years? from the time that the symptoms started to to your diagnosis, was it? It took almost six years, and I went through, I think, way more blood tests, way more 
scans, um, way more doctors' visits than I think I should have. Um, but I think that's the case with many people who are younger onset Parkinson's. Um, but it took, it took almost six years. Do you think it was your age, your ethnicity, your gender? Which do you think played the biggest factor in them not thinking it was Parkinson's? It's funny. I think it's, it's a combination of all three. One of the doctors in South Africa said to me, I think you have a form of Parkinsonism, but it's hard for me to, to diagnose you with it because you're a young black female. This is an old white man's disease. Of course, we know that that's not the case now. Um, but I, I think if I were to put them in, rank them in order, I would say ethnicity, age, then gender. Having experienced healthcare in three very different countries, what's your assessment? Is there a comparison you can make between the three? Yes, actually four. Four, four. okay. <laughs> Nigeria, South Africa, UK, and uh, the US. Of all the countries that I've lived in, the only country where my access to healthcare is completely independent of my socioeconomic status is the UK. So I feel very fortunate enough to be able to live in a country where um, my access to healthcare doesn't depend on how much income I earn or how much money I have. It is certainly not the case in, in South Africa or in Nigeria. If you cannot afford healthcare, they don't have... I mean, they have some government-subsidized um, programs, um, but that is for uh, infectious diseases like HIV, TB, and none for non-communicable diseases like um, Parkinson's. And even in the U.S., I know there's Medicare and Medicaid, but Medicare is for those who are 65 and above, and you'd have to be under a very low income threshold to qualify for Medicaid in the U.S. So if you have an illness like young onset Parkinson's, of all the four countries that I've lived in, the U.K. would be my preferred option. That's really interesting. I know uh, I was not diagnosed in the U.S., but I was living in the U.S. when the symptoms were onset, but I was paying for my own insurance. And had I been diagnosed before I moved to Canada, I'd probably be bankrupt right now. No, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a very scary illness to have, especially at this age. Um, and when you have a family and young children, and then you have to think about private health insurance, it's, it's a very tricky path to tread. So here you are at the World Parkinson Congress 2019. Yay! Yay! Uh, you you had a, a uh, you were on stage today talking about your tips and tricks for young onset Parkinson's. Uh, and this morning there was an interesting discussion uh, in the hot topics uh, about uh, treating uh, and catering to women who have Parkinson's. What are some of the unique aspects to dealing with Parkinson's as a woman? I think, um, I don't remember where I read this, um, it was some journal that said, and I think it's common knowledge that all across the world women tend to be the primary caregivers in their home. Now when a woman has an illness like Parkinson's disease and not only is she unable to take care of her family, she's unable to take care of herself, that tips the balance quite a bit and you know, can, has, has the potential to cause a lot of disruption in the home. Um, so that's one aspect of it. Another aspect, obviously, is the hormonal aspect where men don't tend to suffer from the same hormonal fluctuations that we do. So we have certain times of the month where our medications don't work at all. Um, and that's very difficult to deal with. I don't think that's something you experience. That's not something I experience. <laughs> but I would think if a man experienced that, they'd find another pill. They, they would have, <laughs> have created a whole line of products by now that we could take to, to help with that. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, for me, it's particularly difficult because... Um, 
I stopped working in 2010 when my daughter was one. I haven't returned back into the corporate environment. Um, but because I don't work and my husband travels a lot and he goes to work, the expectation is that I should be able to, to do certain things around the house to balance the workload. And it's not always the case. And I feel terrible sometimes he comes back from long travels and he still has to do certain things that I am not physically capable of doing. And um, that's a very difficult thing for me to handle and to watch. So how do you handle it? Uh, open communication uh, with him. I am, I'm fortunate enough that I have a partner, a spouse, who is extremely supportive. Uh, that by no means suggests that we have a perfect marriage um, in any way. Um, but he's very, he's, I feel extremely blessed to have him in my life um, because not only does he work, he allows me to do things like come to the World Parkinson's Congress um, and be away from, the, from, <laughs> from, from home and from the kids. Um, but we talk a lot and, you know, when things, I think it's just communication, open communication. Has that changed since your diagnosis? Has what changed? Your, your relationship with your husband? Uh, certainly um, for a long time and I think this is probably I don't know if it's a cultural issue or or not Um, I went through a very dark period of anxiety and depression and it wasn't something that I had experienced before so it was new to me and it was new to him and I don't think it was something that he understood at the onset now he does after many conversations many 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 open and honest conversations um but it was difficult it was difficult for him to understand what was going on with me without having any experience and we're, we're both nigerian he's a british citizen as well but we're but he's also of nigerian descent um, and this is not something we talked about growing up at home we didn't talk about anxiety and depression uh so um that took a few years i would say about two years to to get through and it's it's really you know parkinson's is a very difficult thing for uh for marriages to go through and i'm i feel blessed uh we this next month we would be 14 years congratulations thank you that is awesome really happy we got to meet me too i've been following you from afar and i love <laughs> what you do and i love the messages you put out and your spirit and uh keep doing what you're doing Thank you very much for having me. I've been listening to you and I wanted to meet you here, so I'm very glad for this opportunity as well. Thank you. From Kyoto, Japan, for Curious Cast in the World Parkinson Coalition, this is WPC 2019. Visit WPC2019.org to learn about the Fifth World Parkinson Congress, a global Parkinson's event that opens its doors to all members of the Parkinson's community, including those living with the disease. Follow updates on this year's WPC on Twitter at WorldPDCongress or follow hashtag WPC2019. If you'd like to help to spare the word about the podcast, be sure to rate give it a five review and subscribe for free search for wpc 2019 and when life gives you parkinson's we're available on apple Podcasts, spotify google podcasts and everywhere you get your streaming audio you can also listen at curiouscast.ca and wpc2019.org connect with me on facebook instagram twitter just look up at parkinson's pod or email parkinson's pod at curiouscast.ca WPC 2019 is written and produced by me, Larry Gifford. Dila Velazquez is our story producer. Sound design by Rob Johnston. We've got one more day here in Kyoto. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.